Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. We are recording this on March 9th, 2022. Our guests today are Luis Bolaños and Nancy Muscatello. Hello, 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 Luis. We're gonna bring on Nancy in a minute. Um, For those of you who are regulars, you all know that Lewis is a former homicide detective with 30 years of law enforcement experience, including with the DEA and going undercover with the drug cartels. And we also know that Lewis runs Get Bit Investigations and does a ton of pro bono work for survivors and victims of crime. Welcome back, Lewis. Hi, Anna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You do your share of pro bono work also. I don't need to know that. So you're my go-to and I need an incredible sounding board. But I'm happy to be here, especially on this case. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to say this is an all-star crime show filled with truly amazing guests. Because in a few minutes, Nancy's going to join us. And I mean this when I say this. Nancy is true crime royalty because this is a journalist, a television producer who has worked on every major crime show that you have ever loved, and she's worked every major case that you have ever loved. She's a behind-the-scenes person, doesn't usually like to be in front of the camera or by a microphone. But I convinced her, please come on this program, because she's been on this case from day one and has amazing access. We are talking about the kidnapping of a California mother that the FBI now says was a total hoax. We are talking about the Sherry Papini case. Police now say that she faked her abduction while hiding out with an ex-boyfriend in Southern California. You're gonna remember this from 2006 because it made huge, huge headlines. Lewis, I mean, the world's been turned upside down on this case. This got such huge attention, so many resources, And so many other missing women do not get that, yet Sherry did. Yeah, it's amazing how many times we come across that, that when somebody goes missing, for whatever reason, it doesn't get the attention we think it deserves. And certainly the family members or friends thinks it it deserves. But Sherry Papini got every bit and more of the attention that she wanted. Um, And now maybe she's getting more than she wants. Uh, It's quite a roller coaster ride. Uh, But I I, I have to tell you, just like you, I spent days reading over this the the complaint 
And I, I have never read anything like it. I know you're going to attach it to the comment section below where the viewers uh, can check this out themselves. Uh, it's an incredible document of oh, roller it's, coasters. Right? It, it is wow. just, un, it's wow, wow, wow. Because yeah. the narrative that we were told that this mother had been kidnapped, you know, while she was jogging and then she reappears on Thanksgiving Day. And oh my God, she had been taken by two Hispanic women who were going to sell her. She had been branded, you know, uh, she was a mess. They cut off her beautiful blonde hair. It was horrific, you know. It was one of those cases. So right. it, it was such a big case that back when I was working on Crime Watch Daily, the television show, along with Nancy, we, of course, covered it as well. You're going to recognize the voice here. This is the one, the only Chris Hansen. We're going to play a clip. Sherry Papini's kidnapping plays like a Hollywood movie with an unbelievable cast of characters. The beautiful missing mom, the handsome heartbroken husband, the mysterious wealthy donor, and a hard-edged hostage negotiator. Now the world is gonna be looking for you. But after Sherry's miraculous release, many have begun to question whether the story is fact or pure fiction. Pure fiction, according to the FBI. Pure fiction. The thing is, it's taken six years, Lewis, to get to this point. She was abducted in 20, well, she was allegedly abducted in 2016. And now everything has come out. And the FBI, you know, sometimes they hold stuff back. Not on this one. They got details, details about what she did, how she did it. She cut her own hair is what they say. You know, how she beat herself up because she looked horrible when she was no. picked up. Yeah. Do we really have to say she was allegedly abducted? <laughs> no. I mean, in my mind, there's no doubt she was not abducted. No, right? she wasn't. Even though her family and close friends are still leaning that way, amazingly. Uh, but yeah, she's, she started quite a, quite a, a story for herself. Uh, and the motive behind that, I think we'll get into that a little bit. What causes somebody to do something like that? Yeah. Is there a history in their life of that type of behavior? Seems like it, right, in this yeah. case. So here's how the story went. Sherry was abducted. This is the story. Was abducted while out for a run near Redding, California on November 2nd of 2016. Her phone and earbuds were found on the side of the road. No signs of her. No ransom notes. Nothing. It's like, poof, she disappears for three weeks. Then 22 days after she disappears, she is found on the side of the road about 150 miles away from her home. She's a mess. She's, she's got a chain, a chain wrapped around her waist. This is how the trucker is describing her. And the, the chain has her arm restrained. She has bruises. She has burns. Her beautiful blonde hair has been cut off. Um, she just looks horrible. It looks like her nose is broken. She's lost weight. She's emaciated. She's like 87 pounds. So, you know, the whole world is now, thank God, Sherry's home. Right. Thank on God. Thanksgiving, right? Right. On right. Thanksgiving, um, thank just to jack it up. Really, it's like yeah. it's out of a movie. Um, oh, she shall return. On the, the executives are saying she shall return on Thanksgiving Day for drama. And um, then she gives police a description of her abductors. She said two Hispanic women who wore bandanas over their face took her. And the fact that she was found alive after telling this story, you know, she was taken to the hospital, all this stuff just made this an incredible story of survival. But it wasn't true. 
Yeah, it no, wasn't, it wasn't true. The FBI now says 39-year-old Sherry Papini made it all up. And for a short time, for a few days, I believe five days, she actually was held against her will in a jail cell. Yes, with, with real restraints for her alleged crimes here. And her, this is what she's been charged with, making false statements to the police, plus mail fraud for using $30,000 in victims' assistance funds. I think this is just the beginning of it. Federal prosecutors have released a detailed affidavit, which we are attaching, as Lewis said, to this. If you all want to read it yourself, it's 55 pages. We are going to reference it significantly. But we know how much you all love to read things yourself. It's worth it. And we're devoting this entire episode to this case because it's so outrageous. It's so outrageous. Okay, so... Someone who's been following this case from day one is Nancy Muscatello, and we're going to bring her on now. We worked at Crime Watch together. And Nancy, I remember the day this happened, and and from the, that day on, you were so skeptical. You didn't believe it. I, I don't know. Something just wasn't ringing right. And and I would think, you know, while everybody was looking and searching and, and we didn't know anything, at that point, you know, you hold out hope and you think, okay, well, let's, you know, let's see what happens. Um, but when she reappeared, yeah, I think, I think through the whole newsroom, we were like, mm, no, <laughs> like it just didn't sit right. Working on so many cases where, where people were truly abducted and what had happened and how, let's say they were either rescued or never found, or of course, you know, unfortunately, you know, turn up, uh, not, you know, dead, um, I can think of, I think, two cases I've worked on that they just reappear. One in the 70s that I did an old case on, and then uh, Abby Hernandez, which was uh, in the, maybe like within 10 years that somebody just set her free. Okay, so everyone is a little suspicious when she's abducted, but nonetheless, you know, these things do happen. But yeah. when she's actually found alive and the details start emerging about what she said happened to her. That's Nancy, when you got even more suspicious. So, you know, there was very little bit, little things coming out. Um, I remember reading some little um, posts and on Reddit and different things of people saying, you know, some information that from the hospital where she was taken or things that didn't quite sound accurate of the behaviors and stuff. Again, all hearsay, all things you don't know, but, she just seemed off that people were not buying things. And, you know, and then she also had this, there was some past information on social media that had come out. You know, we had talked to the ex-husband. She had a, a, a husband prior to Keith Papini. We talked to him um, and he was very like, well, we got married because, you know, she had a health thing and she wanted health insurance. So we got married and I went off into the service. Like it was odd. It was, you know, um, there was a post under her maiden name that was um, come to find out kind of along the lines of what she ultimately told her story about. So there was just little things coming out that seemed strange from her background. But here's the thing that I think we're always all faced with. The woman's found alive. She looks pretty horrible. Police mm -hmm. are not saying publicly that they don't believe her, correct? Right. So it's almost as if you will be viewed 
as beating up the victim if you dare to challenge their story when, you know, the country is enamored with the mother of two with the long blonde hair, the pretty girl who's been returned and has survived, right? Yeah. Let's let's talk about now what what was the story that was told and then what it is that investigators found. And and the big change in the case I think to me is the most fascinating. It's always about how do you break a case. How how does it happen? And in this case, it involves DNA in the strangest way possible. So when she was found alive, she's taken to the hospital and the authorities gather everything that she's wearing and they're testing it for DNA. They find on her clothing an unknown male. It is not her husband. And they start running it through the database. And there's no hit. And for years, there's no hit until then in 2020. This is like my favorite. In 2020, everything changes. The The authorities get um, permission from a judge to go ahead and look for familial DNA, you know, and all those databases that we all like, you know, upload our spit to. (laughs) And and they get a hit. And it comes back to a man who has two sons. Ultimately, it all this DNA leads them to one person who used to date Sherry, Mm -hmm. was engaged to her. Engaged. Mm -hmm. Engaged and lived at that time in Southern California in Costa Mesa. Is this unbelievable? And the way they did it was they went through the man's trash. They got a bottle of iced tea and they matched the DNA. Since the authorities haven't named him and he is not charged, we will not be naming him. So this ex-boyfriend apparently... You know, in 2020, when the cops came to him, finally, you know, said, shared everything he says that he knew. And he said he had been waiting for the cops. He said, if the cops didn't come to him, then why was he going? Here's my problem. He was silent the entire time. He apparently didn't know in the beginning. This is how the story goes, right? That um, he gets contacted by her, hasn't heard from her in a long time. She, Sherry tells the ex-boyfriend, right, who's... You know, if you look at his pictures, he's clearly, you know, he's not nearly the good looking fit guy, okay, that she marries. So I'm sure he's thrilled that this woman is interested in him. But she tells him this story that her husband has been beating her. He's so abusive. Mm -hmm. She tried to go to the police. The police will not listen to her. She's scared for her life. Will he rescue her? Classic, right? They say that when they first interviewed him, he provided details about her injuries and other things that the public didn't know. And that was one of the reasons that they believed that he was telling the truth because no one else could know what it is that he knew. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's, that's very common as you know, those are called control facts. Those are controls that they intentionally keep to themselves and not tell anybody because it really has a huge effect on confirming or denying if the information you're receiving from somebody is correct, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, it did its job, right? They did a pretty good job hanging on to that. And yeah, he, he shared quite a bit. Right. This is, so I'm having trouble understanding and believing the setup in the house. And this is to me very important about 
there is a manhunt, right? There is a massive search mm-hmm. for a woman who, a mother who is believed to have been abducted. She's missing for weeks now, but she's actually in this two-bedroom apartment in Costa Mesa. She has one bedroom that he's given her. Someone else is in the other bedroom, and then he's sleeping on the couch. And he tells the authorities they never had sex. He says it was a different kind of relationship, that he was really trying to help her. But as it turns out, Nancy, didn't other members of his family know or come to realize that yeah, she was there? Well, not only that, because remember, they were engaged in 2006. So they knew her. You know, it wasn't like she was a stranger to them. Um, the, the couple of the family members that, uh, uh, or sources have, have told me that, yeah, they knew her. So it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember her. Again, like you were saying, two-bedroom apartment. He's sleeping on the couch. She's in one room. In the complaint, they don't talk about that second bedroom necessarily, but in the records I've looked at and from people I've talked to, I know that there was someone else living there at one point. That person has passed since. So I don't know if that's, were they around for entirely? And that just, unfortunately, they had passed away since. But um, yeah, it's an interesting question. But cousins and other people have said, yeah, they, they knew she was there. And it wasn't something they were plugged into. They didn't know she was missing. They they, they, they don't follow the news. They weren't attuned to all of that. So, I you find, know. You don't but, find uh, that shocking? Like, part of me does not believe this. Part of me does not believe <laughs> that well, we no one that knew world, so we- <laughs> that no one knew that she was missing. Because there is a reference in, in the um, paperwork that at one point, when I believe it was one of the cousins, was like, wait a minute. I think that's the lady on the news. I mean, come on. Are we really to, I mean, and he went to work every day. He went to work every day and he left her there and she apparently never left the house. And I find it extraordinary. She asked him to board up the window at one point. (laughs) Right, board up the window. And here's why all of this is so important. Over the years, as the FBI continued to interview her and re-interview her, they asked for details. Tell me. Where were you held? What did it look like? What was the room like? Describe the closet. Describe this. Describe that. Turns out that they were the FBI was able to match details of her story to details of the apartment and the closet in which she was staying in Costa Mesa, and they took pictures yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. They, conf- they confronted him with those details, and they showed her pictures of when they finally let the cat out of the bag. But you know what? That We see that all the time. When people are trying to mislead law enforcement in their investigations, the best lies are those lies that are combined, feathered yeah. perfectly with the truth. And she did that in many aspects here. There's so much here. And I, I think, it, you know, it, law enforcement at some point had to wonder if he was involved yeah. in the kidnapping. Right. And he even right. said, I don't have I don't even know two Mexican gals. Right. Because she was pointing everything toward two Hispanic females. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's tried to distance himself as much as he could for that. But he probably at some point realized that, hey, I may be considered a suspect. And he knows her better than anyone, as good as that can be, thinking that maybe what if she says he took me he, I was yep. there? He could have easily brought him in as the person that spearheaded organized this whole kidnapping in the hearing from the other day, her attorney said, you know, you, that the, you know, United States is saying, Oh, okay. Alleged kidnapping. And he's saying, no, you know, 
she was kidnapped. Like she, she's still sticking with that. So right. And when know. when the authorities confronted her with photos of his apartment in Costa Mesa, and she was like, "Oh, well, it kind of looks like it. No, but it's not really." And then they said. You know, to her, they're like, and it, this is the amazing part of this interrogation. According to court records, her husband, Keith, was in the room while she's being questioned about this. So it's what, like four years later? <laughs> and he's well, remember in the room. In, a, in earlier in the complaint, when she, because there's a lot of detail of the, the time gap, right, over these last five years, where she, in 2017, um, she would either go in and speak to them or her husband would call and say she went to a therapy session and remembered X, yes. Y, and Z. And it was all these little details that oh, yeah. started yeah. matching up with things in the apartment, things like things to explain away what happened. Right. And they and they noted all the inconsistencies where she would say, this happened, I, my hands were you know behind me the whole time. They were zip tied behind me. And then I chewed them free, but never how do you chew them behind your back? Right. And then the next time it was, they were in front of me and I chewed them free. So like, you know, there was all these things that each time she came in and they went back to talk to her, um, their things kept changing. Mm -hmm. And don't you find it interesting that while the authorities are still investigating this and getting updates, even though, you know, the Papinis are sharing their information, in some cases voluntarily calling, saying she remembered, I remember, right. that the media, they were not doing any more interviews, you know, oh, yeah, no, as I recall, there's, there's Sherry never, about this. she never sat down for an interview, did she? No. She was the, the big, she was the big get. Everybody wanted her. Now yeah. we know why she didn't sit down for the interview, because it was all bogus. But, you know, <laughs> most of the time, people do, even when it's bogus, sit down. I'm just really, really surprised about that. Well, that's the funny thing. She was sitting down with them. She was cooperating. <laughs> I right? mean, you know, and, and that's what her attorney said at the hearing yesterday when they were discussing. And we'll get to that later. But he said she's cooperated all these years. She's always <laughs> come in and talked to you. And that's true. I mean, it's that true. cannot be denied, right? That cannot be denied. Now, remember we were talking about, like Nancy saying, all the details that she's saying of the room and all of that. So she talked about this table that she very specifically remembered and described to the FBI about the table that was used when she was branded. Remember she was, everyone, everyone was shocked. It's like, who are these people who abducted her and then burned a symbol on her arm? What kind of, you know, and she then told the authorities when she was picked up, she said, oh, well, I was branded because, you know, I had tried to escape and it was punishment, but then she was branded for another reason. Oh, this is the other thing she kept telling law enforcement when she was found. She said, my kidnappers told me that law enforcement was involved and involved. I was being kidnapped for a person in law enforcement and I was going to be sold to them. So I don't want to talk to the police because I'm so scared. And and the authorities were like, well, uh, we have a woman who's just been returned from you know a three week odyssey. Uh, we, we can't interview her because she's freaking out. So they give the husband, Keith, a tape recorder to conduct the initial interview. That's crazy, unheard of, but that's happening in the ambulance. It starts in the ambulance where she gets, lets out a little bit of information saying, I don't trust law enforcement because of this and continues that. So they come up with a great idea to let the husband do the interview. I've never heard of that. And for years, she would not allow herself to be interviewed, right? Without the husband in the, the room, husband there. right? Yes. At the end, we'll get there. When she's confronted, finally, things change. 
where he leaves the room. And I know when she they when he left that room, that conversation of that interview and what she said at that time with him out of the room is going to come out on video. You better believe that was recorded. <laughs> we don't have that oh, access wow. to that yet, but we will. Yeah, um, that's what she so what she says is so now she's been confronted. Look, here are the photos of the room that you've described the bathroom, you know, the tile work, everything that you have described us over the last few years, we have the matching photos and they all belong to your ex boyfriend's home. So come on, lady, spill the beans. And and that's and so the husband leaves the room and, and Lewis is referring to this. It's so brilliant. She tells the authorities, Oh, I've been a bad girl maybe I flirted when I shouldn't have, you know, with other guys. <laughs> well, I think that you even said, like, <laughs> you know, you were being held at your ex-boyfriend's, basically, and she was like, oh, he would never do that. He would never, ever, ever, you know, going along, I think, still with, maybe that's who abducted you, you know, mm-hmm. like, play because um, it, that also came out in the hearing yesterday. They said she was not aware until her arrest that she was the target that they they were really strict about keeping it that they were looking at for these abductors Mm. and that so that i found that interesting and that's kind of what they're alluding to here because they was like you know we think he's the one that that took you um and she was like oh yeah he would never do that no he loves me she that's what she said (laughs) he loves me but then she does admit that she's flirted and i think you know several agencies have reported that she had several affairs while she was married to keith and in fact when she was missing right when she was Mm -hmm. missing not found yet and they went through her phone what did they find nancy they had found uh two phone numbers put in under female names that were actually men and these were men that she one she met on like a business trip of some sort and another one that she knew from like 2001 or 2002 someone else that she had dated briefly and they were in under you know female names but right. that was known that they had traveled to go see who these men were mm-hmm. um right so, because yeah. that would make perfect sense you know it would make sense yeah Exactly. So they kind of rule that out. But now we know from the very beginning, it's like, mm, why is she hiding the names of guys in her cell phone That's under right. the names of women? And she's trying to meet up with them. Come on now, Sherry. Come on. So um, what I find interesting is that. So honestly, since 2020, the Papinis, Keith and for sure, Sherry, have known what the authorities believe that she really did. Right. Yes. And no, they know that they were coming in for questioning and that they was from what I understood, what it sounded like in the hearing yesterday was that they were leading them down the path that we're getting closer to the abductors. Not that you're the bad person here. Before we go on, we've really got to take a quick break for our sponsor and then we'll go on with this insane case. I know that you've heard me talk about HelloFresh before, but if you haven't checked it out yet, now is really the time. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week so you get the convenience without skimping on quality. HelloFresh recipes are easy to follow, quick to make, with steps and pictures that guide you along the way. There are 50 weekly recipes featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you never get bored. Try something new every week. 
I have thoroughly enjoyed my HelloFresh box. And there was so much in there that it really did last for a long time. And, and little ingredients that I keep here that I use later, like the marinara sauce. I mean, it, it just, and when we talk about the produce, honestly, just really, really fresh, beautiful vegetables. So go to HelloFresh.com slash TCD 16. That's for true crime daily and use the code TCD 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. I love a free gift. That's hellofresh.com slash TCD 16. Don't forget to use TCD 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So they were keeping them in the dark on at some point you're going down, you know. It, oh, was, I see. I yes. see. So they're presenting it as like, we believe you were abducted by an ex-boyfriend. Not that she was in on it, but we, yeah. Here's even though they finding, know. Oh, I see. To hit this, this person. And, you know, they kept following up and coming in and talking to them. And, but the whole time they were, they, I, they probably, and Louis, you would probably speak, but maybe they were going down two paths. Okay, we have truly were was adopted by this man and, you know, a hoax. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's that's the path they were looking at. I, and I from what it sounded like from what the, the United the assistant U.S. attorney, when they were pre- presenting why they didn't want her to have bail, like they went into more detail. And uh, that was one of the things they pointed out. They said she was we were very uh, strict about the information and very few people knew it, that she was our actual target. Mm. In the affidavit, they they get into a lot of details about um, her physical appearance, right? Because everyone was shocked. And in fact, you know, the husband shared um, about how he was warned. You know, she looks really, really bad. This is going to be very jarring to you. She was 87 pounds. She had burns and marks everywhere on her body. So severe, so very severe that uh, especially the branding that I think on face value, people were like, oh my God, what did they do to her? You know how some things look self-inflicted, right. like, you know, you, you scratch here, you scratch there. But this this really took it to a whole new level. And in the affidavit, it, it describes how the ex-boyfriend recounts how her, every one of those, yeah. every one of the changes in her appearance and at what time in her like, you know, 22 days there that this all was happening and she kept asking him to hurt her (laughs) and he says he refused yeah so there this goes on for pages in the affidavit about the changing in her appearance which will be consistent with the story that she tells so the ex-boyfriend tells the detectives that she was hurting herself and that she asked him to punch her in the face and he refused to do so. He says she's the one who cut her own hair and that she purposely hit her head on the bathtub and the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. Now, that is painful and nasty. It's commitment. Well, we remember, though, originally, when you read the complaint, too, she told them that that was caused by the the two Hispanic women, because they would they would punish her for when she would make noise and they would hit her head on the 
sink or the this or the that. Like it, So she was matching up the injuries. <laughs> right. Then this is also interesting. So she had rashes on the inside of her legs. I mean, there were multiple things that were wrong with her. It's not like just one simple thing. And he tells the detectives, well, she asked me to get cleaning supplies because, you know, while she was staying, she was always cleaning the house. And then he notices that this rash is developing and he tried to keep he kept buying her like ointments to help and it wasn't. So I think the inference there is that she was using the chemicals to cause these rashes. Mm -hmm. So now I want to talk about the branding, right? Because when she was found, she had this burn on her shoulder, on her arm, and she told the authorities that she was branded by her captors. So according to the ex-boyfriend, he has a version of how that happened. Nancy, how did this happen? So for when he said it, that she asked him to go purchase a wood burning tool at a craft store for her. Um, and then I guess the tool is one of these things that came with like little brass letters that you could, you know, in, burn into wood or uh, words or sayings or whatever. And so he went and purchased that. Um, and then, you know, she explained what she wanted him to do with it and what she wanted written on her what and he said i think he told authorities what, what she wanted and he didn't understand what it meant but it had some type of meaning to her um so yeah and so he helped do that and he he wanted to like give her the ointments to put on it for the burn and to help heal it and she didn't want to use any of that uh, the ex-boyfriend told the authorities that she wanted to be branded on her right shoulder yeah. using that wood burning tool and he said because she was left-handed and so therefore um he used his right hand to hold her arm down and here's the amazing thing it's like he he's describing he was really nervous he didn't want to do this right. he could see the quote the tool was so hot it glowed red uh, but at the same time, he felt, he's telling the authorities, he wanted to do a good job because he didn't <laughs> want to let her down. So Now, I remember she told authorities that the captors, uh, she's pretty sure it was the size of like a screwdriver or small because they were so close to her and that the way they held her m is matching up to what the boyfriend is saying also. So, you know, you've got, they've got these previous statements from her and then from the boyfriend because she said they were really close to me. So it wasn't a, I think, you know, a, a, a tool that she, they stood way back here and branded her. It was a little tool that was closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of these things start to add up. And so after a few weeks of being there, she decides she wants to go home. She tells the ex-boyfriend, this is his version of events. Um, he says she misses her children and she wants to go home. So he contacts that friend who rented the car for him to go up and get her, rents a new car, and he drives her straight up. They don't stop. And she's found, you know, before dawn on Thanksgiving Day. Police were able to corroborate that part of his story with records of the rental car and other things that he was telling the story. And then, so he's describing about how she took this stuff with her and how she's, um, she threw it. Where did she throw it? In a trash bin somewhere? Well, they all, her original clothing, she threw in the dumpster outside his apartment. But the, the, she threw a phone or the burner phone just off the I-5 somewhere as they were driving north. And then, um, you know what? The only thing that didn't come up in this complaint was where did the chains come into play? <laughs> yes, 
like, Nancy. no, seriously, <laughs> they, 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 he never talked about like purchasing the chains or ha- like, I, I so I, I'm curious. I think that'll maybe someday come out. Like when he went and got chains for her, she must have asked for chains. The chains had to come from somewhere. Right. Yeah. The, Lewis, the, the, the FBI investigator, the, uh, the special agent, Courtney Lanto, who wrote a phenomenal complaint, <laughs> well done special agents. Um, she was very upfront at the beginning of this. Hey, this does not include everything. I'm just scratching the surface. Yeah. We're not going to put everything out there. I'm, I, but if this is just a little bit scratching the surface, can you imagine what they have? <laughs> and those chains are a big factor because you better believe they also sent the, that stuff in and the restraints she had on for DNA. But I, I, I want to ask you, Nancy, is there any, because it's not in here and it stuck out to me, and Anna, you know how I like to do this. But was there any mention in any of this? If you've heard of any potential uh, pretext call that was done between the ex-boyfriend and Miss Papini? To Ooh. to see if she would admit mm-hmm. to anything? Right. Yeah, because- I don't know. But they did exchange text messages um, after the fact. Because they, I think right. they had her that still communicating, but they didn't they didn't elaborate on that. Okay, interesting. Because it might have been done through text yeah. message or call saying, hey, uh, the cops were here. They're asking me this. What do I tell them? Right. They think I branded you. I'm worried I'm going to be arrested because I think he right now is probably he obviously has an attorney, I'm sure. Um, but there, he's probably has worked out uh, uh, some type of contract with law enforcement uh, where he's a cooperator uh, mm-hmm. because the sheriff and the prosecutors in this, they're furious. Right. They've been very vocal that more arrests may end up coming down the road here. And he may be one of them if he doesn't end up cooperating 100%. I think that may be hanging over his head because I find it hard to believe that he branded her, that she, she he did cause some bruising on her, but not directly with his hands. He fired a hockey puck at her, right? That's I mean, what just, he wanted, yeah. Right, one of the things, right? I'm thinking, how is he justifying this, right? What do you mm-hmm. think she's doing? And Anna, didn't his mom or somebody say, I saw her, she's missing? Do you know what's going on? He was confronted right. with that he at was. some point. Yes, right? family so, members confronted him. Not yeah. everyone lives in a cave, you yes. know, in this Costa yeah, Mesa yeah. cave where, you know, the it world was, is going I believe around. That he said it was at, when, after Thanksgiving when it was all, you know, that she had been found is when he was like, oh, boy, like, OK, uh, this is more than I thought. Hmm. Um, from what, again, from from the interview that's in the complaint that uh, but and, and I'm sorry, Luis, what I, what I was alluding to was they they kept in contact a little bit from what I can tell, um, but not much longer, like into the the new year after that's Thanksgiving. I think there was a a little bit more it said, but that was it. And then when he, when he was confronted by police, he had said, I haven't been in contact with her since. And I'm I'm sure he gave information specifically. Um, Nancy and yeah, you brought up a really good point here. So even if he can have plausible deniability, it's like, look, she told me she was being abused. I was just trying to save her. But then I would say to him, well, if she's being abused and she's telling you that her husband is a horrible human being, why is she asking you to beat her? Why is she asking you to burn her? Why is her condition deteriorating before your eyes and she is self-inflicting, you know, all this pain on herself? Like, you know, this is going on for weeks and the man's going to work. He comes home and she's like looking more horrible than the way he like. That's the part I don't get. Like, how was he able to say this is OK, even if he didn't know that she had, you know, been abducted. But once she is found and then she tells this incredible story about being abducted by these two Hispanic women, you know, in this van and goes on and on about being branded. 
How why, did uh, he? Why did he not? How did he not go to the police? Uh, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah. he should right. have absolutely. I, but I think, I think he just was afraid to do anything at that point. <laughs> wow. How do you keep a secret like this? This is the amazing <laughs> thing. How do you keep a secret this big? You know, very and likely he, he shared with somebody what was going yeah, well, on. Well, the the cousins and, you know, these few, these people that knew, the mo- mm. I'm shocked that none of them called also the police. maybe called police. You know, um, yeah. I, I think they just right? called just been the fear of what could have happened to him. I mean, you know... I, he was definitely in over her head with this one. I mean, without question, this this guy was in over her head. He's got an unstable woman who is harming herself, you know, and is just, you know, everything, everything is is insane with this story. So I want to ask you guys this. Do you believe that her husband, Sherry's husband, Keith, knew any of this? Do you <laughs> believe that he is a victim or he's in on it. Before you answer, I'm going to play a clip, a very short clip. This is an interview that he did uh, with ABC News, Keith, her husband, before she was found. And he's, you know, crying out for her to come back, to be let go, to be found. Bring her home. Bring her home. Just bring her home. All right, Lewis, do you believe that the husband was in on this or is a victim himself? <laughs> That's yes, not easy, right? So there's me. This is me pausing. Mm. Mm. You know, I, look, I, I think that at this point today, if you ask him today, he's not going to admit anything because he still is trying to protect her amazingly. Her family is circling around. They're still trying to protect her. So we may never get that admission at some point. But I believe he has seen flags that cause concern. How about that? Right. Um, look, he'd have to be, you know, completely his head in the ground not to realize that she may not be telling the truth. But this may be just the way he has lived his life with her. Right. That she, yeah. you know, enhances everything. And, and look, we do know that other people that have been around her socially since high school have come forward and said, you can't believe a thing she says. Let's just start with that. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, this has Anna, this sounds like a lifetime story. <laughs> a lifetime movie right <laughs> lifetime movie both right who knows it's crazy right uh, but I, I i i think deep inside he doesn't believe her will he ever admit it no um did he participate in this in any way shape or form i don't believe so i really don't i think that he was duped right more than maybe the ex-boyfriend was um, nancy he, your opinion uh, yes uh, along those lines too interesting so hearing yesterday was for getting, you know, she they, for bail to see if she could get out. And there was a lot of stuff discussed that was pretty interesting. And I found it interesting. Um, she was released and staying, going to be staying with the sister, not him. Mm. Sources have told me they have not been together for some time, mm. but that they do stuff together for the kids. Um, and he he put up property worth 70,000 or whatever, a secured bond. So her, her, her uh, bond was 120,000, 70,000, which was secured by some type of property he has. And then uh, the additional was um, signed off by her parents, um, staying with the sister. And then 
she cannot have contact with uh, family members that could be witnesses unless a lawyer is present. They didn't name him as the family witness member, but she's not staying there with him. So I'm drawing that from that. I think maybe he's a witness to everything and, and is, you know, maybe not believing everything he could. Now, on the other hand, there's a mm-hmm. lot of speculation out there because this GoFundMe that was started for them for when she went missing was, you know, raised substantial money that they used to for living expenses and paid down a big chunks of their his credit card and her credit card. So people were like, well, wait a minute. Was this all a ploy to get money to to pay off their debt or something like that, you know, together? Uh, so, you know, there, I think that's a little inkling that people are like kind of latching on to. But the fact that I think she's not going right home. There's this, uh, uh, you know, there's condition of release that she has to have an attorney around with any family member that's a witness. Makes me think something's up there. Oh, I think so, too. My opinion is I don't believe that he knew her plan um, that she was hatching, that the FBI has, you know, sketched out for us. I don't I believe that he really was absolutely freaked out that something horrible had happened to his wife. My guess is initially he bought the story because of just looking at her condition. She really her physical condition was such that something horrible had happened to her. Something horrible had happened to her, but at her own hands. So that's, and now I think that when he was in that room and presented with the FBI's theory that strange that your room, your your room you were held in is just like your ex-boyfriend's and we have mm-hmm. this and we have that. And we have, you know, I think at that point, he's like, wow, you had two men in your in your phone. Okay. I get it. You may have not been happy, but now all of this is snowballing. And I do believe that now he doesn't believe her. I, I don't think that he was in on it from the beginning. Now, the fund that you're referring to, Nancy, is the Help Find Sherry Papini Fund, which raised over $49,000. Ultimately, that money was used to pay off some credit card debts and personal expenses um, after she was returned. Now, here's the thing, everyone. With a GoFundMe like this, who's ever in charge of the GoFundMe can do whatever they want with this money, right? They can say, it's for this, and then you, if she had really, truly been abducted, okay, let's just say that it really happened, that maybe there would have been all sorts of extra expenses, missed work, yeah. and right? All this other stuff, which maybe most people would be okay with because the whole point was to help, right? It didn't bring her back, but maybe it'll help the family heal. Now everyone is feeling like they've been taken because they donated to this, they prayed for her safe return, and now they've all been duped, they've all been tricked, you know, and I don't know whether any charges could come of that, but I think GoFundMe is totally different from, you know, a nonprofit or something else. It's not like he hid, you know, the, the bank statements or anything like that. No. Right. Indication. Mm-hmm. Now, on the monies that she took from the Victims Assistance Fund, it looks like almost all the money was used for therapy and, and for right. her stress, PTSD, and anxiety. Now, what is shocking to me is, okay... So she did use the money because the money's limited in how you can use it. So she uses it for therapy. Now, okay, I think all three of us and everybody listening is in agreement. This woman needs some serious therapy without question. Mm -hmm. But what's fascinating is that, like, did the therapist not pick up on, like, 
this woman is not making any sense. And and then all these things that would allegedly emerge during her therapy session. The details. And then, the details, and yeah. then she would call the cops. Oh, I remembered this. Right. right? right. So that's what they have her on. It's the charge of the misuse <laughs> of that money that's meant for real victims. And the authorities say she's not a victim. So the next thing I want to talk about is her arrest, because it's like everything else in her life. It was big and it was dramatic. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, Nancy, how did this go down? Because you, you've been in on all the court hearings where all this juicy information has been coming out. Interesting. Again, two different ways of uh, how it all went down. There's law enforcement's version and Sherry's version. So, of course, uh, law enforcement, the assistant U.S. attorney, is presenting why they don't want her released. She's a flight risk, first of all, is their first and foremost. Like, hello, she did it once before. <laughs> like, you know, she's a flight risk is what they were arguing. Um, and the other thing they were, were saying is that she has a pattern of dishonesty, that everyone they've interviewed and talked to and stuff, that this pattern has emerged of this pattern of dishonesty. So these were things that they were, were talking about. And they discussed how they arrest, you know, she, the arrest went down, which was they said they surveyed her from home they, where she was staying. They followed her to a uh, music lessons for the children of some sort. Uh, once she was inside, they sounded like they sent somebody in to say that her car had been involved in an accident to draw her away from be, doing anything in front of the children um, and bring her outside by herself. Um, once she was out there, they, you know, I guess met her over wherever the car was. Uh, they told her she was under arrest, to which she screamed no, <laughs> turned and ran. <laughs> um, they were able to get her rather quickly um, and cuff her. By then, I believe the kids came out and witnessed them taking her away. Oh, and she threw her phone. She threw her phone again. It's um, like the playbook. Throw the phone and run. <laughs> yeah. So so when that happened now, uh, this was going back and forth. The judge was asking a lot of questions about this because her attorney was arguing that that's not why it went, how it went down. That his client um, said she was out there. They did this in front of the kids. Um, they, you know, kind of manhandled her, whatever. That it was way more. She was trying to run to protect her children from seeing this. Um, and, you know, run to them to, to shield them from what they were about to witness. Um, they had a special agent there ready to testify to describe exactly their version, you know, himself, as opposed through the assistant U.S. attorney. The judge said, you know, well, that's not necessary. You know, I see we have two differencing opinions on how, how this happened. Um, they also asked, her uh, attorney asked that uh, she not have to wear uh, anchor monitor monitor because due to her complex PTSD, mm -hmm. um, just the idea of wearing the anchor monitor because she was restrained during the time she was abducted was too mm -hmm. much for her to handle. I can't. I mean, Lewis, I can't. I see you shaking your head over there. I'm like, I'm no. losing it over here. Excuse me. Her attorney says, oh, she can't wear an ankle monitor because she has PTSD from her abduction when she was chained. Please give me a break here. Yeah. Well, first of all, her attorney is parroting only what she told him. 
Sure. Right? Her reality, yeah. her truth, right? And now conveniently, she's ringing the bell that these officers, prior to arresting her, or and during her arrest, created trauma that was horrible for the children, right? Blaming it on them. I, I think this is all going to be on video also. I think they knew there was a chance she might lie or make fabricate how that went down. So I think they have that covered. But really, none of what she did before traumatized the children, right? <laughs> right? And now we're worried. Right. And she's resting, you know, you know, one of her defense mechanisms is that she suffers from PTSD because of the kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Back to that, you're still sticking to that. And look, she may suffer from something and PTSD from something else, right? And, and possible, right? But it's just not from a kidnapping. Let's get that straight, right? Can't you can't use that as a defense because it never happened. And the more they try, the sillier it sounds. Right. Mm. And that's really going to come back to haunt them very soon. The husband, right? Through the whole course as, you know, I'm not going to talk to you to law enforcement unless I have my husband present. And then, you know, he's there for all the interviews. And now they're out socializing and doing daily chores, you know, going shopping, going to stores. And I think they walked into a, um, a Dick Sporting Good. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and she walks by the gun section and she had it's guns. And she sees a gun that looks like the gun that was held on her while she was kidnapped she tells the husband so he calls it in right away i have more information more and things like this happen through the whole thing and she's blank you know so she suffered ptsd while she's walking through dick's boarding good from what <laughs> right I, I mean but this kate this example after example after example oh, um she's I, her own worst enemy and her yeah. her, her attorney shut up stop so, it so here's the thing. She's been released. She mm -hmm. has been released after five days in jail. Part of me is like, are you crazy releasing her? Oh, but yeah. his, A lot of conditions. A lot of conditions. Oh, I get that. Yeah. And it's a non, you know, the argument was that, first of all, it, she doesn't have a criminal background and it's a non-violent uh, crime with which she is charged. So therefore, they just can't hold her like you do, let's say, someone who is accused of murder and it's a heinous murder and something like that. But I mean, people are outraged that she doesn't even have to like serve any time while she's waiting for trial. I know presumed innocent um, until proven guilty. But I mean, people are so mad. I can't wait to hear the comments on this and read them because everyone is furious. She mm -hmm. got all this special treatment. The amount of money that was spent on the investigation, Oof. the amount of money that was spent on her, you know, phony therapy and and people who donated to the GoFundMe, the people who sat in churches and in their homes praying for her safe return, praying for her healing, her children, all of this. And now everyone's been duped. Everyone is so mad. And what about all the other cases that went without attention That's right. in that time period? Because of this princess. So I want to play something. When she was released yesterday, finally, the Sacramento Bee um, took some video of her coming out of the court building. You know, she's got her hoodie up, she's got a mask on, she's got glasses, so she's really hard to see. And I'm going to presume it was her sister who was waiting for her because it was not her husband. And then, like, the sister grabs her and is trying to shield her as they're walking toward the car and all the cameras and just angry people are yelling at them, you know, and, and the family's screaming, leave her alone, right? Well, that's not what you were screaming when you thought she was missing. You wanted everybody's help, you mm -hmm. know? And then you can hear Sherry crying, <laughs> crying as she's, you know, going into the car. I'm like, really? This much drama with this woman? Really? Still. <laughs> Still.
still, this is not over. This is not over. The conditions yes. of her release, um, well, basically the judge was very um, firm in explaining to her in detail that if she screwed up any, any of this while she was out, that she would face an additional 10 years um, and an additional 250000 fine served um, uh, uh, not at the same time, but yeah, on, mm-hmm. on top of. So he made that very clear to her, like if you if any of this is an issue, because they they really were hitting home that she was a you know the the flight risk, rightfully so. Um, so that was one of the things that they really really. Yeah, I read that too, Lewis. That she's got to get some kind yeah. of well, of they help so- or an ev- well, definitely they're going to need an evaluation. They need to know what the heck yeah. they're dealing with with this woman because so they said she had to surrender the passport, DNA sample. She cannot leave the Eastern District, which is a very specific area where the where the court, you know, where she lives. Um, no firearms. Uh, can't go anywhere near where there's firearms. No alcohol, no drugs, no contact with witnesses, even family. If there was family, that's a witness. They have to have it's modified to have an attorney present. Um, the parents and the and the husband put up different things to secure mm-hmm. uh, her release. Um, and. And, you know, if I'm her, I think I'm going to do a replay of Costa Mesa and not leave the house. This is my advice to you, Ms. Sherry. Do not leave that house (laughs) because, you know, people are just too angry right now. um, And you're going to have to do some serious soul searching and repenting here. I want to give the last word, actually, to not any of us, but to the sheriff of Shasta County. Um, He did this exclusive interview with ABC's Good Morning America. Uh, when she was arrested. And the sheriff, Michael Johnson, has a very strong opinion about this case and about Sherry Papini. Well, uh, you know, without getting into the details of the case, um, it's, it is a case of calculated deception uh, driven, I think, by her narcissistic behavior. So I think the sheriff said it pretty clearly. He may not be a therapist, But this is narcissistic behavior without question. And this, Nancy, this is not the same sheriff who originally investigated the case. Yeah. Yeah. New sheriff sheriff. in town. Well, and and both sheriffs, the the old and the new, I mean, they were, um, you know, he said, my community lived in fear since this abduction because they were in fear that there was people out there doing this. And he said, you know, he really felt for his community and wanted it out there to be known that, you know, they don't have anything to fear anymore, that that it was, you know, it, it was all Sherry, you know, it was. And I think that, you know, was important for him. I think he really wanted to get that out there, it seemed, to just know, like, I hear you, this isn't OK, and we're doing something about it now. Mm. Lewis, do you think that she's going to go for a jury trial? If her attorney is smart, you want to get a plea, you want to get this thing out, because it's not going to go well. I mean, for the rest of us, I'd love a trial because it'll be the most entertaining thing ever. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think the attorney is going to advise against it. Right. They just have too much. And, you know, you, uh, Nancy, you held up your packet earlier. You, <laughs> let up for a second. Right. You have all these green stickers of all the incredible look, notes. Look at Nancy's water. work. Over look there. at that. Right. And I did the same thing. But with a highlight, I ran out of it. I had to get a second one. And these things go forever, right? It's incredible how much information is in here, but yet it's not all of it. We're just it's scratching the top, it. right? It's not. And, it's and, not. And, yeah. I, and look, I, I think she's a flight risk. And I think she's a danger to herself 
Yes. Potentially others. So I'm really concerned. I know the laws are limited on the control the court has as to whether she can be released or not. But I think putting an ankle bracelet on her, a GPS monitor, is more than reasonable with just the facts that were stated in here. And I'm blown away that wasn't done. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's she absurd. can still be brought back. I'm sure they can still fight for that. But it, uh, it, it's just this case is just going to get more interesting. It really is. She's due back in court on March 25th. I'm sure Miss Nancy will be on the line like she's been for all of the court appearances. Um, so this is this is a federal case. And I want, want your uh, true crime junkies to know that this is a federal case. So um, the way that they're handling it, they're they're not having you know, people in the courtroom. So, you know, we can as the press or journalists, uh, you can listen in. Um, and, and that's it. There's no photos. There's none of that. And, and the details, uh, again, held very close to the vest, for, except for what's in the complaint when it's federal. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much more out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are going to be state charges as well. I, I'd, you know, the okay. sheriff has said that he expects more charges. Uh, it's unclear who or how, and it may be federal. It may be state. Uh, I I think we're going to watch this case really carefully. As we've all said, we are obsessed with this affidavit. The three of us have gone through it. <laughs> Last night, I literally, I shoved a box of Girl Scout cookies in my mouth as I was highlighting the affidavit because it's like the best thing I've read in forever. And we're linking that to all of you because we know you care about the facts, the details, the how. How did they do it? And I just, I want to thank the two of you so much. I mean, not only are you my dear personal friends, um, but I, you know, Nancy, I know is like all over this case. And Lewis, I always value your opinion. So I'm so grateful that we had a chance. I feel like this is the kind of thing we would have done over dinner, right? (laughs) If the three of us sat down for dinner right now, we would be doing this exact same thing, except we were able to capture it for all of you. I can't wait to hear your comments. Um, Nancy, I know you like to fly under the radar because of the kind of investigations you do, but Nancy's working on some great projects. But her social media footprint is small for a reason. <laughs> Lewis, <laughs> Lewis, where can people find you if they want to see what you're up to? Thanks, Anna. Uh, my entire social media footprint is at getbitinvestigations.com. And I just want to add, yeah. right, this whole case with, with, with the shenanigans of Sherry Papini, it, it's so negative, right? Because it, it's so much manpower went human power went in the wrong direction, which it could be used for other cases that are deserving. So because of this, I'm trying to figure out how I can turn this case, at least from the work we do, into something positive. And one of the people that suffered in this investigation was another missing girl who was a schoolmate of Miss Sherry Papini. And her name is Tara Smith. Mm-hmm. And she looked like her. And early in the investigation, we, they were making a yeah. comparison, right? Because of the way they looked, the way they were, uh, they um, they went to the same school. That there might be some yeah. connection. There, there's no connection. But what it did, it took away from looking into her. She's still missing, right? So uh, you and I haven't discussed this yet, Anna, but we're going to, <laughs> right? Are we right inserting ourselves? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to reach out to this family and see what All we right. can do. She's still missing. I volunteer to we're help. We're going to flip this into something positive. Nancy, you're going to volunteer yep. with us to help. Mm-hmm. We mean sure. it. Those those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast know we mean it. 
We mean it when we say we're going to try and help if we can. That's outrageous, Lewis. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I was not aware of that case. And that is horrendous. That's horrendous. So let's do something to change that. Let's find some good in here. Uh, Wow, Lewis, you just blew me away with that. Just totally blew me away (laughs) with that. This is why I love Lewis. (laughs) This is what Um, we do, Anna. This is what we do, yeah. Yeah. Um, You can find me at Anna G News, Anna with one N, all social media. Sometimes I talk about crime, sometimes I talk about chihuahuas. Today I'm talking about St. John's University. Hello, Big East, big game tonight. (laughs) We're in McCullers. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your episodes Subscribe to our True Crime Daily uh, YouTube channel. It's amazing. We've got like 5 million people on that site. So much to talk about there. Sign up to receive our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. Until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you, don't do crime. <laughs>